Welcome to The Favorites, the podcast from the Action Network. I am Chad Millman, and today, how the heck do professional bettors do it? The NFL season is hopefully, cross your fingers, knock on wood, just six weeks away. More and more states are legalizing sports betting. More and more new bettors are learning about how to bet. They wonder what to bet. They are curious about how much they bet on a game, in a week, in a season. Simon Hunter, our resident professional better and member of our podcast family, gets these questions all the time, and he is going to break down everything he knows about how to be a pro, capital P, pro, at betting. But first, two weeks ago, when Bob Scucci, Scooch, made his triumphant return, we asked fans to rate and review the podcast. Those who did and used the winning phrase, the right side is the winning side, in their review were eligible to win a copy of the odds signed by both me and Bob Scucci. We had loads and loads of reviews, so thank you for that. Later in the show, we will read our favorites, but there can only be one winner. The listener will be revealed. Also, we are doing another phrase that pays contest. Same practice. Go rate and review the podcast. Use the phrase, Simon, the genius professional better says. If we choose your review, you will win one of Simon's favorite plays of the year. Honest to God, and you're going to hear about all these in the podcast, how important these are. And like these are Simon's massive money plays. He makes three or four of these every year. You will get one of them. Use the phrase, Simon, the genius professional better says in the review, and you will get one of his best plays of the year. Finally, don't forget to listen to the Action Network podcast. We are going nearly every day now. NFL, fantasy with Chris Raybon, Sean Corner, Matthew Friedman, college football with Stucky and Colin Wilson, golf with Jason Silva, Peter Jennings, and our newest member of the action team, Amanda Rose. Listen to them all. Make some money. But now, at last, Simon Hunter. And now, a word from a wise guy with Simon Hunter. <laughs> and I just want people to know I didn't come up with that humble uh, saying, calling myself a genius. I am no genius, but I try my best. Simon, the genius professional better, says. Get it? I did sort of a little play on Simon Says. <laughs> I do like that. I do like that. Use that phrase in your review and you will get one of Simon's favorite plays of the year and you'll probably win a lot of money. You, you're on the beach or at least you were on the beach today. I'm, I was on the beach. Now I'm back in South Jersey. I at least have been able to stay occupied during this. Uh, I, I tried to tough it out for a month um, and doing nothing. And then it got to the point where I was like, all right, I just need to be outside and do something in my free time. I can't just keep looking at my laptop all day, every day. Well, so that's my question. Like, who knows what's going to happen with the NFL season, right? So is it hard to get motivated every day to do the work, to like get yourself in front of a, a computer and research? I think it's like what everyone goes through is you have highs and lows um, with whatever you're doing in life. But when you really love what you do like I do, it, the, honestly, the hardest part of my job is the off season where it's just, I'm just itching for games and prepping for this season. And it's kind of a routine that I'm used to every off season. But this season, I've had to do I would say two different models already on just predicting what lines will be without fans and which teams will be affected negatively and positively. And it's really kind of been a whirlwind where it's taken a lot of adjustment. It's a lot of unease going into the season because I'm usually really confident in my system. And now with this unknowns coming up, 
it feels like it's going to be a fun, weird adjustment for the first four weeks of the season if there is football. All right. You just used three words that I would not think about. Like, if you are a better and you're a creature of habit, trying to figure out how you're going to make money this year and having so many unknowns, you use the word fun. What about any of this? And, I, and I'm not judging it in any way, but like that to me speaks to how much you love what you're doing. Break that down. Yeah, Why you got to be um, a little bit of a nerd if you, you want to do this. You, have to have, you just got to love numbers and trying to find the little value and the little niches that people are overlooking that can give you an edge in what you're trying to do. I really enjoy it in the sense that it's fun seeing players that I know are going to take a leap for the, following, the upcoming season and that other people aren't seeing that. And I capitalize on that value on those teams. If you really don't like numbers and lots of data plugging and pulling and I mean, it is a grind. I'm not going to lie, but it gives you such comfort in the season where it's like, I know what I'm doing. I trust my system where like a, a funny example was last year during the playoffs, I gave out to all, all these lovely fans of ours. I, I told them I love the Titans and I had the game at three and a half. And I said there was value on the money line. And this is against the Ravens in the playoffs. This is there's I had the number three and a half. So the line on the market was 10 and a half, 11. So I had that confidence where I was putting that number out and telling people take the Titans, take the Titans money line against the Ravens. I might have got maybe like 10 likes on the post and just 50 DMs or messages saying how much of an idiot I was and how there's no, no smart person would waste their money on taking the Titans. So obviously the Titans win. And maybe three of those people messaged me like a call, like great hit. And the following week I had Kansas City as a 14-point favorite or 13 against the Titans. Same people back in my DM. You idiot. How can you underrate the Titans like this? The line seven and a half. There's no way they're going to beat them by six and a half points. I think Kansas City was up 18, and Titans got a late junk touchdown to put it to 11. But it's just one of those where I was dead on. And like, if when you see the results like that, it it pushed. Like, there's days in when I'm struggling to do it, and I don't feel like doing work, and I'm just thinking to myself, "Those are what you live for." Those moments of you see a huge advantage in lines, and you hit it big, and everyone who hits it with you is just in that zone where holy hell, that's a great read. So it's a good feeling. So, right. So the purpose of this conversation is to figure out how you get from this moment now to that moment at the end of the year where you're so comfortable that you understand this in a way nobody else is. And you said like one of the things is you look to see about players you think are going to step up that nobody else has recognized yet. Who are some of those players? How have you identified them? When you look at stuff and you're trying to find players with big jumps, you should always just start with the quarterback, especially when you're doing systems like this, where that is by far the most important position bar none. It, it really flips games and flips lines that in other sports, I mean, I guess goalie for hockey and pitching for baseball can have that. But there, it's incredible how important to the line a good quarterback is. And what you're doing for upcoming season, I'm trying to find those dimes in the rough. These quarterbacks are going to take that next step. And we've already covered in a couple other ones where – Kyler Murray, when you watch this kid's tape, it, and just all the numbers, he is a freak. He is truly incredible. His style and in that offense, how it's going to be opened up, that's a, that's a big one where most of the fantasy community and the gambling community, they're on the Cardinals. They, they see that this kid is the real deal. I know it's a really hard division, and that's why people are a little, you know, they're backing down from that because they're saying, how are they going to pass the 49ers and Seahawks? But a kid like Kyler Murray and another kid like Drew Locke for Denver, these, these are kids where the numbers are saying at the, at the end of the year, once they got over the, ro the rookie wall and they kind of were able to start slowing games down, reading the defenses, you should see a huge jump 
and their offenses and their GMs have both supported them this offseason where Denver's offense has only gotten better adding two weapons and a wide receiver and a running back. And we're looking at Arizona adding DeHop, the best receiver in the league. So you really have to have confidence in both these young quarterbacks coming in this season. All right, so you're talking about DeAndre Hopkins and, and like at going to the Cardinals. Now, you just mentioned every single time you say something, it brings up a question that I think is like you're leading me down a path here. You mentioned the Seahawks and the Niners. You mentioned Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. Everybody in fantasy and gambling loves Kyler Murray. You said that. Everyone in fantasy and gambling loves the Cardinals right now. Do you think there is also some identification of likely regression for the Seahawks and the Niners because of what some numbers said about what they did last year and potentially overperforming? Uh, well, the fine numbers for the Seahawks just say they were lucky, but you, it's, it's just because the numbers don't get that Russell Wilson is arguably one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen, and he just never dies. He, he's always swinging. He could be down 14, and he is just going to keep running and throwing deep balls and taking shots. And my system always hates the Seahawks, especially last year. I, I, I think them and uh, it might have been uh, – the Browns for the two two worst reads for me. When every week I was on the wrong side with them, I couldn't couldn't kind of couldn't hold it down because every year I track how I do with teams and coaches, and that's a little. It sounds weird, but you will find if you track different teams, coaches like there's certain teams and coaches that no matter what you're always going to be on the wrong side of. It's just a weird algorithm in the fact that you're just reading them wrong. And so last year the Seahawks they had I think it was. Uh, 10 games decided by seven points or less, and they won like nine of them. And the Cowboys on the opposite side of the spectrum were like four and, uh, four and seven in seven-point games, where these little things flip seasons where people are looking at Seahawks coming off all those wins last year, and they're betting them this year thinking they'll have the same luck, where I'm thinking they won't. And a different team with the 49ers is that their defense, if you look at the numbers, just carried them for the first eight weeks and when they got hurt, a lot of their D-linemen, they kind of had a lot of games that were close and they weren't really blowing teams out and teams were coming back on them. Like that game they dropped to Atlanta, they were just banged up at home. Their whole defense was hurt. Atlanta, Atlanta took a to them and they beat them. When Atlanta was, I don't know, I think they were like three and 10 at the time. And that's one of those things you're looking at the 49ers is they don't have much turnover in their defense. So they should come back good. But like we were just talking about, they – their final game of the year came down to one play at the one yard line for them to get the number one seed instead of being the five seed. So it's one of those where people, I get it. They're going to back the 49ers, but they don't get how many, if they go through all the numbers, they had so many games where they, they flipped and won at the end of the games where the following year, you just can't count on those kind of things. Right. Well, I, I think a lot of people are already thinking about are the Niners equivalent to the Rams, you know, the right. Rams who two years ago went to the Super Bowl and the next year, like couldn't make the playoffs and they, had such a steep decline and I've already seen sort of some Pythagorean theorem columns about the Niners becoming that kind of team right I'm just against it because with the the Rams the writing was a little bit on the wall that they had all these big personalities and that Super Bowl hangover was kind of predictable with them like I think most people were down on them like most pros were taking their unders and just didn't really like the way the Rams were coming into last season where the 49ers and Shanahan, he, yeah, he chokes in these Super Bowls. I mean, I, I can't argue with people on that. He, both times he's been the Super Bowl, he's let teams come back on him and beat him by not running a good offense. But 
as a numbers guy, there's few teams more fun and enjoyable doing notes on than the 49ers and his offense. His run schemes, I mean, he's, he's doing run schemes from the 1950s, and they're working because people just aren't used to that style and the fullback play that he does. So I actually still have confidence in them. I just don't like – I think their over-under is 10 or 10 and a half. I don't that, – that's high for me. So I'll be on their under, but I do like – I do still like them compared to what the Rams were the following year. All right, I got one more question I want to ask you before – we get into the like, nuts and bolts and nitty gritty of like what it's like to be a professional better and how to do some of the things you do as people start to think about how do I manage bankroll? How do I think about putting together a portfolio on a week-to-week basis? All those kinds of things. You mentioned right off the top, when you're putting together your rankings right now, one of the things that's sort of fun and interesting about this is your, the way you're judging teams and how they will perform with fans or without fans. How could you possibly be accounting for that from a numbers, tangible numbers perspective? I think most people do the baseline of three for home field. So that's the old school. The line will always put in three points to take into account for home field advantage. Most people could do the basic thing where they're looking at teams that are bad, like the or the Chargers where they don't have home field or the Dolphins, they don't have home field, regardless to start with. But it's actually benefiting them because now they're not getting the other team's fans in their stadiums. So teams like the who aren't very good, that's a big boost to them not having to worry about playing 16 road games a year. I mean, that's one of those teams where some, I've talked to some sharp, especially when I was on Vegas, and a lot of these guys are loving the Rams, where my numbers say they're going to push or be under. They're loving them because they love that D-line. They think Haskins could take, another, take a step here with Rivera where it's a slow-down running offense, quick passes they're not going to have to adjust much with crowd noise. I mean, this is the kid's second year. So going from him being in 16 road games to just being in a practice kind of feeling, that's a big deal for the teams. So those are the kind of teams where people, they need to go through and try to figure out what's the weight for the home field to these teams. And like the funny thing was like I, I the Seahawks, I thought that was going to be a big weight home field advantage for them. It's actually not as good as people think the last three, four years here. A lot of their home, home games are one score games. And it seems like on the road is when the Seahawks have really blown teams out. So I actually didn't grade. They didn't, I don't think they made my top five of like most lost points for home field. The one that really stuck out was the Chiefs and uh, the Eagles as teams that lost four to five points for home field. But at the same time, their quarterbacks are gaining them that much points back. So it's not that big of a loss. All right. Number one, you can't say the Redskins anymore. Oh, right. <laughs> I've, I've been under the rock, buddy. Yeah, I know that whole thing's going on. Do they have a new name yet? I don't think they have a new name, but Matt Mitchell just bleep out every single time he says that, that would be good. All right, so you mentioned there are five teams in your top five of sort of biggest losers when it comes to no fans. Who are they? I had the Bills, the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Chiefs. And then this, this one was just random to me because just because did they really have a home field, but it was the Browns. It doesn't make sense, but the Browns graded out. They, they play way better at home than on the road. All right, so the way you're figuring this out is like, these are the teams that tend to perform better when they're at home. And so there is some kind of advantage. My biggest having... weight was, uh, sorry, was comebacks. So I was looking, that's what I was really looking for, was teams that get down in the second or third quarter and then come back at home. Because I do think that has something to do with crowd momentum of people cheering for you. Because I mean, if anyone played sports, there is a different feeling of you're at home and people are backing you and everyone's with you. And then you're on the road and everyone hates you. You're going against them. You want them to hate you. So those are two really weird different sensations that do motivate athletes. 
So that's why I think I said on Twitter, the live betting this year is going to be so weird and hard to figure out what to do with these teams. Because who knows how teams are going to play when they're down. Maybe they just give up because no, no one cares. No one's yelling at them. No one's cheering. It's, it's just going to be weird. All right, so then who are the teams that gain the most from not having fans? You've already mentioned the, unmet, the Voldemort from Washington, the unmentionable. But who are the teams that get the most benefit? It's going to be exactly what people think. It's going to be the bad teams. It's going to be the Miami. Keep saying that. I'm so sorry, man. I got to keep, I got to call them whatever their new name is, the Red Tails or whatever. You're uh, apologize to me. I'm just kidding with you, but <laughs> I know I feel bad because I do know people are offended by it. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not trying to be that guy. Um, uh, the Jaguars, like these teams that they never really sell out. Like the number one team was easily the Chargers because they, they literally haven't played a home game since they left San Diego. And it was funny where if they start Tyrod Taylor, I actually do like their, uh, their over for the season. But I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think Tyrod's playing. All right, I want to get to uh, I want to get to the 101 here. But first, let me remind everybody that we are doing another phrase that pays contest. Same practices last week. Go rate and review the podcast using the phrase Simon the Genius Professional Better says. Simon the Genius Professional Better says. If we choose your review, you will win Simon. For one week, you will get one of his favorite plays of the year. He makes three or four of these plays every year. You will get one of them. He will give you. He is a professional better. Simon, the genius professional better, says he is a professional better. He will give you one of his favorite plays of the year. That is a real gift. It's a good deal. Um, I gave it to a guy last year, one of your fans, who was like one of the five people that somehow found my Twitter account on there when I was drafting yeah. your guys' picks. And uh, just every week was commenting on my stuff. And I said, hey, man, I got a, I got a one you can put your whole account on. It's going to hit. And uh, I just felt it's just a good feeling when these, like, you know, normal people reach out. And they're just like, thank you so much. Like, I just paid rent for this month. It's a good feeling. All right, listen, normal people are reaching out all the time and they're listening right now. When you are becoming a professional better, what is the best first habit you need to develop? So there, there, there are so many and. I, like I have always told people, you always need to be learning and evolving in this field. There is no right method. And people more often than not that have been in it long enough, they'll have good advice for you. They're, if they've been doing it for long enough and they've made it through everything, they're going to be pretty good at what they do because there's not many of us that do this. Um, my first advice I ever got was to realize that you're the one that has the control. You're in power. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. The sports book isn't making you go there. You don't have to bet that game. You need to really, if you want to take this serious and you want to throw this as a part-time hobby that you want to make extra money on the side, you need to realize you need to pick and choose your spots. You can't be waking up every morning betting the same amount on every single game. I know a lot of people are using the one-unit method, like you have 100 units, whatever your bankroll is, and these people just each game, they're using one unit on each game. That's not how you're going to make money doing what we do. You need to, there's going to be times where our, I'll have a game. I'm going to put a grand on it. And then if I'm watching this basketball game, these upcoming basketball games, I might throw 50 or $20 on that. You need to know how to manage your money. And that's the most important part for starting out is that you're trying to build a bankroll. You're not like these people that tweet out these guys winning millions and hundreds of thousand dollars. That's not you. That's, that's barely 0.001% of the people that gamble. Those, that's not the right mentality. And you, you need to have the mentality of grinding because that's what this is. It's a grind when you start out, because you're trying to build a bankroll, something you can use on the side of your life that's not going to affect everything you do in normal life. So 
when I started out, I mean, I, I told you, I, I lost, I mean, from, I mean, I started really young. I lost from probably six to seven years until I met the right people who could kind of guide me and told me that you're, you're missing the whole part of this where gut betters, they sure they do well. Um, but if you build a system, something you can trust, it just gives you such a peace of mind that you know that you're, you've put the time and effort into something that is telling you what to do. You're not having to just sit there and say, Oh, this team looked terrible last week. They can't, they can't play good again this week. Like gut, gut betting is really tough to build a bankroll off because what you need is you need to basically you're, you're trying to find an edge every week. And especially, I mean, especially in football where it's a limited time. There are only 16 games a week. Most of them are on the one day of the week. So I told you early on, I bet every game because I find value in every game. But there's going to be games where I've lined that up as because of my system that this is where the big, big money discrepancy is. So I'm going to hit that game 15 to 20 times. And the way it is in New Jersey now is we have – I'm not sure that number now. We might have 17 online sports books. So instead of putting all my money just into one account and these people eventually are going to ban me after two months, you spread it all out. Instead of putting 17000 on one game, you put 1000 in each web on each app. And you just diversify what you're betting instead of putting it all on one app where they're going to flag you. These guys, I learned really early in Vegas, this is, this, is, this is their job. Their jobs, a lot of these guys, these bookmakers, is to find guys like you and get you out. Because you're hurting them. You're hurting their bottom line because you have an edge. And they, they don't want people that just they, – they want a guy coming off the street for their bachelor party with a bunch of buddies and they're going to throw some money on some horse racing. So – you need to know going in that like bookmakers are cool. I've met plenty of guys who run books that are just like good dudes who are doing a job, but you need to have a Kobe mentality where you're literally playing these guys one-on-one. You're not going against other people. That's what's so funny in the gambling community where people get mad at you for losing or winning. It's we're literally all in this together going against the bookmakers. It's not against each other. That's what's really funny with the gambling community, especially on Twitter. So you went two different directions. And so I want to separate a little bit. Like, of course the you bet as a professional and you're betting at scale and, but you, you, you sort of made a really good point in the beginning that a lot of people are grinding at this just like as a fun thing. And they shouldn't expect you put 50 bucks down and you're going to end up, you know, someone who's winning 1.1 million on Colin Morikawa. Right. And so, <laughs> Um, so, but you also said like, you put together a system. Most people are not professional. Most people are not going to have the time to put together a system. So how would you recommend to people, they start thinking about managing bankroll. If they're doing this in a casual way, they're new to betting. They're, they're in a state where it's newly legal. They're in New Jersey, Illinois, Colorado, whatever. And they're just sort of coming to the game a little bit. And that's really simple where there's gambling's kind of blown up now. There's so many people you can go to advice and you can check off if, if they're losing a bunch and they're lying, saying they're winning, blah, blah, blah. You check those people off and you move on to the next person. Cause if you don't have the time, what you're trying to find is someone that you trust and is reliable giving out picks because they've put the time and work in. And if you like, say I like the Eagles one weekend and the guy I follow doesn't, he likes the other side. Maybe I just don't take that side. Maybe because I trust them. Instead of taking the other side, I just don't do anything. And that's what I was getting back to, that if people don't understand how much power they have in picking and choosing. It's like 
there might be weeks during the NFL season that I might only have 40 grand out. And then two weeks later, I might have 200 K out because I'm, there's so many games I love. And I always know that. that's why I don't really force things, especially if I have a losing weekend, I could care less because you have to have the mentality that you're going to get it back. And if you chase, if you're doing live betting on a Sunday night football game, you're already lost. You're already, you're already losing. No matter, even if you win, you're going to lose that money the next night. If you find yourself chasing, this isn't something you should be doing because that's how people go into a spiral and they go to gambling anonymous because they're always chasing that whatever they started out losing, they're always chasing getting that back. And you can't have that mentality where every week is a new week. You kind of throw out the losses and you start fresh. If you have a clear mind, it's way easier and not to force things because you just have to keep trusting that things are going to work out. Now, asking me about how people get involved with systems is you can go online and you can find people that have built systems and you can take those systems and tweak it and update them. But it's hard to figure out what the right things to be looking for. I mean, it took me like three years of like legit working my ass off on it to get it right. And you have to really do that and then trust it and know when not to trust it. Like I talked to you about all the time. It's a system. It's a computer. It doesn't know that Tom Brady is the best quarterback ever. It doesn't know that Patrick Mahomes is the next goat. So, and that's Super Bowl. My system likes San Fran, but like I told you, I'm not going against Mahomes. It, it, there's something going on here where this kid just can't lose. He just keeps coming back. And it worked out going against my system, but I don't do that all the time. There's just certain times you have to go against the computer. I love the idea, this phrase that you have, that you have the power. Because I don't think a lot of betters, I don't think a lot of amateur betters, and this is really who this conversation is for, I don't think they think about it that way. I think when you are new to betting, you think of it as the bookmakers have the power or there are professional bettors who know more than I do. It is a scary, wondrous, intimidating place. The idea that you make the choice and you do not have to bet um, holds incredible sway. People, when they start out, the worst thing that can happen to you is if you win because you think to yourself, this is pretty easy. This is my first time doing sports betting for the first month and I'm up a grand or two. And it kind of gives you the false sense of security where it doesn't work that way. Most, even the best pros I know that they, they're going to lose, they're going to have down years. And it's kind of one of those where it makes you hard. It like, like I, I'll win big and it's, it's a fun feeling, but it's a fleeting one where it's like, okay, what am I going to do next week? So it's a fun and grinding feeling of, you're always looking for that next game. So these people that they, they don't realize they have the power in the sense that I'm a degenerate too, man. I like betting 20 here and there on different sports games. It's fun. Like if you're chilling at home watching a game, it's nice. You can just throw a couple of dollars on it and either you're going to get free dinner that night or you're buying you and your wife double. So you need to understand that people are going to give out games and they're going to say, I love this one. This is a big one. And those are the ones where you're not just going to do your $20 bet on. You're going to risk. You're going to take that $100 because where, I'm, where I've gotten, I didn't get here without taking big risks. There weren't times where I'm putting half my bankroll onto a game. And it, I've lost those. And it's like, holy shit, man. I just worked two years to get that money. And now I just lost half of it. But the more you learn from those losses, the longer you do it, it's, it's one of those where you don't really think about it because it's just – they think all these pros do these things where they, they make maybe two or three big bets a year and that's all they do. That's not true at all. I mean, most professionals, they're, they're going to have action on every sport. We watch everything. We love sports. 
But we're, what makes us so good is that we take these big risks on games we know we have a big advantage on. When did it transition for you? When did it go from betting 50 to $100 a game and that was either comfortable or seemed like a lot to all of a sudden I've got 200 grand to play on the weekend and I'm not even flinching? Like that took a while to grow. Um, like I, got, I was lucky where I had a job young. Like I think I told you, I worked in TV when I was 19, so I had money early on. And I wasn't really spending money because I was getting paid to travel with the company and live in hotels. And when I stumbled into it, I had over probably like 15,000 to play with when I started out. And it was grinding. I really wasn't getting much from it. And then as I built my system, I would say by like 2011, 2012, I kind of grew that to about 40,000. And it was still a slow grind because I was scared. I wouldn't lie to you. Like I was scared to put a large stake into certain games. Because there's nothing like that. I mean, the, the biggest bet early on for me was that Denver-Carolina um, Super Bowl, where Peyton Manning had a dead arm. Cam Newton was MVP, just out-of-body experience how good he was. I looked at the numbers, and Denver's defense was graded out off the charts. It was like one of the greatest defenses you could ever have. The Monday the Lions came out, I went in, I hit uh, three casinos in Vegas, and I put big stakes, and I had a couple of runners run in and do a couple more bets on it. I probably didn't sleep five days leading up to that Super Bowl. I just was sweating, anxiety. One of my thinking, Cam Newton's God, he is the greatest quarterback I've ever seen. And it got to the point where right before he even kicked off, I, I said to myself, I don't know if I came and watched this. I came and watched this game. So I think I spent the first half in my buddy's bathroom just uh, watching like Yahoo Sports or something on my phone. And I came out and I was just like, this is going to happen. Like this, this defense, this is, this is what's going to do it. So that was the biggest risk I took back then. And say I hadn't, I probably wouldn't have half of what my bankroll is now because that gave, me, that gave me enough money where the following season I could really pick my spots, where I would have games where I could put 10K on instead of doing what I was doing with like 2K or 3K. Like my bankroll doubling it, that's the key to doing what we do here is that if you double up, you can keep losing these one little one unit plays each week. That's not going to hurt you. As long as you're hitting these big money plays, three to four a year. Like we talk in our business that you do three. So if you go two and one or three and oh, you're done. You're done on your big bets for the season. It doesn't matter if you have another one coming up that you're like, this line's off. You have to have that maturity and mentality just not to do it. You got, you got to sit out because you've already run your luck that season. Three and oh and big bets, that's like, I mean, every, I would say every four years I might get that. But if you don't, say you're, uh, you're one and two. You got to do it. You got to go for the fourth. So now you're two and two. You have to play that fifth one. You need to try to get above the green. And if you don't, you just bounce back the following season. That's why, like I tell you, you can't really, you can get down on losses, but in this business, you have to just accept you're going to lose. We all lose. It doesn't matter how good you are, how good you're reading things. You're going to lose because it's a sport. It's unknown. All right. So that's a very good reminder that if people want one of these three massive bets of the year, they have to go in and use the phrase, Simon, the genius professional better says in a review of the podcast. And Simon will give you one of those if we choose your review, if we like it a lot. Um, two, two themes stick out. And that is a fascinating story. That Bronco story is fascinating, but also sort of the way you translate that and sort of the inner workings of the business where there are guys and sort of the conversations you're having with professional betters about sort of like you're playing three to five big ones, right? If you're doing well, you walk away. If you're not, you push it a little bit, but you don't get crazy, which leads me to two things that I think it's important for people to understand. One, 
discipline. Like how do you develop the discipline and how do you sort of live with potential regret when you are someone who needs to be betting the way you are? Uh, the discipline part is really hard. I'm not going to lie. It took me a while to get over because I, I had the same thing where I would get pissed and I'd chase. If, if games weren't going my way, especially the four o'clock games, I'd get mad and I would chase. And I think it's over time that you realize if you just chill and you're patient, you're going to get that money back. It's that's like, we go back to you're in complete control. And if you can just say that, like, take a deep breath, say, I, I'm, I read this wrong terribly. I'm not going to read it better here. If I keep chasing, let me just wait until next week and get this back. That's such a huge thing because like we were talking, once you start chasing, it just spirals and you, you're going against yourself or you're, you're questioning your own judgment. And it's one of those where I can honestly, there's games I bet I can, like a minute in, you can already feel it. You're like, I'm on the wrong side. Like nothing's going to change this game. This team has momentum, their system, their practice this week, everything they did for preparation this week, it's just right. And I'm on the wrong side. I don't really sweat it because like, I know we had this whole thing where People yell at players and they get mad at players and especially fans in the stadium. I've never really had that where I always put the blame on myself where it's, it's not these guys fault that I believe them, that I misread them. And it's one of those, you always have to just look at yourself. If you misread a game, it's not because of anything that's going on with these teams or what it's because you just read it wrong. You didn't put the time in and you misstepped or overlooked something and it just didn't work out where too many people put too much passion. I know fan stands for fanatic, but, You just need to take a step back and think to yourself, am I really mad at all these players? Am I really blaming other people for my problems? Or am I going to take my own woes and think to myself, all right, I need to improve. It's my own fault of these mistakes. Phenomenal advice, Simon. Like this was a lesson. The last 20 minutes of this podcast have been a lesson in sort of new bettors should be looking at this. By the way, whether they're betting five bucks or five dimes. It's all the same. It's It's all all the the same. same. That and, is just great advice. And that's what I want people to understand is that you're, you're seeing all these people who are making all this money. You can't really think that way. You need to just focus on yourself and try to build your own bankroll. Because once you do that, you can just turn. Like, like I talk to guys who are stock investors all the time. And if, if someone came to you with a stock and they said, hey, if you buy this stock, it's going to double your money by tomorrow. People would buy that stock and they'd be into that. And I try to tell them it's the same thing as sports betting where – you were giving, you're getting something that you can double your money or do whatever with it. And if you can find and pick those spots, it's such a profitable, easy thing to do on the side hustle. Especially nowadays where we're just talking, you guys have tons of writers over the Action Network. It's their, literally their job is gambling in sports. They're trying to win you money. If these people could find these people and trust them, you don't need to waste your time trying to study and do stuff like that. You have people that are doing it for you and you can just do a side hustle making money off these people. And that's the best thing about sports betting. It's, it's just like giving your money to a stock investor. It's like these people are taking your money and doubling it for you. That's what you're looking for in sports betting. Simon, how do you think I bet all 256 games last year and won in a 57% clip? I'm not doing research. I'm just listening to what our guys say. I'm listening to you. I'm listening to the Action Network. And I hear Stucky and Chris Raybon on their podcast talking about betting in the podcast that comes out every Thursday. That's all I'm doing. It's, it's a genius. Jeez. And that's all you need. It's all you, like, you don't need to be stressing about these things. And like I said, if, if they have a game they're on and you are on the other side, just don't take the other side and don't take the side they're on. You just literally can sit that one out and play until you do match up with them. You do have the same alignment with them. Because it's pretty simple. It's that people just like action. And like I said early on, if you like action, just put 20 on that game instead of putting 50. 
you just want to maximize your money. Like you don't want to just be throwing it away and giving it away. Simon, you are a professional better. You are a genius professional better and you're our professional better. And two weeks ago, folks, <laughs> two weeks ago, remember, Scooch made his triumphant return. We asked fans to rate and review the podcast. Those who did and used the winning phrase, the right side is the winning side in their review, were eligible to win a signed copy of the odds from both me and Scooch. We have loads and loads of reviews. In a second, we will reveal the winner. But first, a reminder, we are doing another Phrase that pays contest. Same, same practice. Go rate and review the podcast using the phrase Simon the Genius Professional Better Says. If we choose your review, your, if we choose your review, you will win one of Simon's favorite plays for the year. You've heard him talk about how he thinks about those things, the value he places on those things. Those are like those three, four, five big bets he makes all year that build his bankroll. Uh, you will get one of them. Seriously, Simon will give you one of his best plays of the year. Thank you, Simon, for joining us. But before you go, the winner of last week's Phrase That Pays contest, winning a copy of The Odds signed by me and Scooch is Jason Embry, at Jason Embry on Twitter, who wrote in a five-star review, the heart of the show is Chad interviewing Scooch, a bookmaker who is incredibly insightful and candid. Not only does Scooch give good information on the podcast, but he also has transformed my view of people who run sports books. Look at Scooch doing that. Chad is also on the podcast, which is nice of him to say. But seriously, Chad is an entertaining small cast of guests. Now Simon Hunter is one of them. He's a great interviewer, and he leaves us with pearls of wisdom like the right side is the winning side. Simon, you're going to get a review like that because someone's going to want one of your plays. I really appreciate it. I need that self-confidence right now. I know you do, buddy. Listen, you're <laughs> going to be on with us every week, and I'm super excited like you were last year. Uh, and I appreciate you doing this because this was unbelievably smart stuff, and so I think people will really appreciate it. Of course, but I'm here to help, my man. All right. This has been The Favorites from the Action Network. Download, rate, review, subscribe from Apple Podcasts, from Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, love you.